Our two years with Cornerstone. Praise God, it's been a wonderful two years. Last week, Joe graduated from the seminary. Congratulations. You know, that was two years ago. I graduated from seminary. Came over here by the sovereign hand of God, working through godly man here. It's been a wonderful two years. Praise God for all of you. And I think it's appropriate this morning that we remember some of the wonderful works in the world here done by our sovereign Lord. You know, I have in mind particularly the martyrs in uh, Turkey. How many of you heard about the, the story? Those who have been martyred in Turkey. And I pray that this will, uh, this will be truly the seat of the church in Turkey. And I also want to pray that God will rock this country with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise His holy name. Let's, let's come before the Lord and pray. Father, we praise Your holy name that You have set us apart for Your awesome work in this world. We are unworthy, Lord. And we praise You for for heart-moving story like those who have been killed in Turkey. And Father, our hearts reach out to this country and we pray for this country and those who have been affected by this supposedly tragedy. But in your eyes, this has to be done for the glory of your name. So we pray, Lord, that you will rock this country and shake this country with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Father that you will expose the false religions that have bound the hearts of the people for so many years. Father, we also want to remember other countries like Czech, Kazakhstan, and Southeast Asia, China, Vietnam, Malaysia, North Korea, Father, in your holy name, that you will do a sovereign work, you will move your Holy Spirit in these countries and bring your elect to your kingdom to praise and worship you in these darkened countries. Father, we praise your holy name. This morning, we can set aside this time to give to you for this ministry in this country and in this world. We bless your holy name for this wonderful work. I pray pray that your word will go forth this morning through sinful vessel to accomplish your holy work in this church for your name's sake, O Lord. Thank you again for all my brothers and sisters here. May you encourage them this morning. Strengthen them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, O oh God. That they will finish your work that you have called them to do in this place and in this world for the praise of your holy name. Amen. 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 Now this morning as you have read the bulletin,
is on the philosophy of missions. And now it's taken from Matthew 13. And I believe you are familiar with these two words. Mission statement. Mission statement is very common today. You hear it almost probably yeah, in every company, in every organization, they have this mission statement. Even in many churches nowadays, you hear this mission statement. And even in some families, now it's good to have a mission, mission statement in your family to accomplish what God has called you to do in the family. There's a great mission field. So what is a mission statement? It normally gives the purpose and direction of the company. But do we have a mission statement for God's mission, for God's church mission? Do we have a mission statement? Now I'll use the idea from uh, Dr. Robert Cover. I call this the philosophy of missions. Yes, we do. We do have a mission statement. We do have a philosophy of missions from the very mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 13 is known as the seven parables of the kingdom. Because of time, we will not look at every of them, but only the first four, which are appropriate for this morning topic. You know, the Lord told his parables after his rejection by the Jews in Matthew 11 and 12. That, that is important to know because that context helps us to understand the purpose of these parables. Matthew 11, if you may turn to Matthew 11, it's very sad. You know, the theme of Matthew is Jesus is the King. And the king came to his own and presented himself as the king, the Messiah that they have longed for, for so long. And the king finally came, but they rejected him. Matthew 11 and 12 is a peak of their rejection. And Jesus, Jesus longed to see that they would repent. In Matthew 11, Jesus even said this, verse 7 to 16, He talks about John the Baptist being the the man, the prophet that God had sent to prepare the way for the coming of the king, yet they didn't respond to him. And He says in 16, Matthew 11, But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to other children and say, We play the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, He has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They rejected him. They would not accept him. And the Lord go on, verse 20, go on to say, Woe to you! If you have heard 
this good news and rejected this good news, woe to you. If this good news has been preached in other places, in other places, and you see, I want to read to you, if this gospel has been preached in other places, it will be more tolerable. Like verse 22, Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. You heard it from the very mouth of the king, and yet you rejected him. And verse 24, Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, been destroyed by God's wrath. It will be more tolerable for them than for you, because they didn't have the incarnate king came to them, preached the good news. You have the incarnate king. And the Lord gave the very gracious invitation right after that. Verse 28 of 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And then you go to verse uh, chapter 12. They got even worse. Chapter 12, verse 22 to 29, Jesus performed miracles and they accused Him of being demon-possessed. That is, that is unbearable to God. And the Lord says this, Any sin that you committed against Me, it will be forgiven you. But this sin is sin against the Holy Spirit and it will not be forgiven even in this age and the age to come. That is the background, the rejection of the Jews. Matthew 11 and 12. They rejected the very Messiah that the, that the Scripture had promised, had prophesied about. And now come to chapter 13. And the Lord, and the Lord wants the disciples to know what will the kingdom of God be like after this rejection. What will the ministry of the kingdom be like after this sinful rejection of the Jews? So after the Jews rejected their king, our Lord wanted to inform His disciples about the program and the growth and the development of His kingdom in this world. So He told them these parables. is the parables of the kingdom of heaven on earth, the ministry of God on earth. And in them, you will find the principles that guide our mission, the principles that guide our evangelism, the principles that guide our ministry on this earth before the return of our great king. The king is is going to return And blessed are those who do His will. And I must say this too. This philosophy is not just for pastors and missionaries. It is for all believers. All believers have this mission. Famous, familiar to all of us, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, is not just for 
pastors and missionaries. It's for everyone who is called by the name of God. Every believer, every Christian, they have been commissioned to carry out this great commission from the very mouth of the King of Kings. God has given us a mission to fulfill on this earth. God has given us this great work to do. It's a great privilege to be a part of His kingdom work on this earth. You are a missionary at home. Do you know that? We all know that. I hope you know that. God wants us to bring the mission, bring the gospel to all the unbelievers in our families. You are a missionary there. You are a missionary at work. God wants you to bring the gospel to those lost souls walking around in your office. God is not placing you there to earn some big bucks and pursuing a selfish dream, right? It's not that. You have a mission there. And you are a missionary at school, campuses. God put you there. It's not to get your degree. That's not the main thing there. God put you there to let you see all these lost souls without Christ walking around day in and day out. What will you do? Will you reach out to them with the gospel of Christ? So it's important for all of us to know this great truth in this chapter. And I pray that your hearts will be moved. Moreover, there are five blessings, at least five blessings coming from this chapter. If you understand this great truth, at least five blessings. These parables, these principles will keep you on track. That's the first blessing. And to protect you from error and deception of the evil one. Second blessing. Third one, to keep you from doing wrong things and sin against God in this world. Fourth blessing, to help you to measure on the major, not measure on the minor. Thus, maximizing your time and energy Make good use of your time and energy for the glory of God. And also in this coming summer mission, make good use of your time for the glory of God. And the final blessing is this principle glorifies, glorifies God. If you obey them, you glorify God. It brings praise to His holy name. So what I want to do is I just want to go read through these four parables. Four parables. Praise God. Two big ones has been explained by our Lord Himself. This has helped a great a lot. Explained by our Lord Himself. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just read the parables to you and then explain a little bit of the parables and then show you the principles that we can learn from these parables. And my prayer is that God will use this principle to encourage you and to help you to serve Him effectively. There will be a great encouragement to you, I pray. Especially 
for our summer mission and for the many missions to come. It will be a great encouragement to you. Let's read the text. You know, what I'm going to do is just read the four parables. Okay, the first one is the parable of the sower from verse 3 to 8. And it's explained by our Lord in 18, verse 18 to 23. And then the second parable is the parable of the wheat and tares. Is in verse 24 to 30. And it's explained by our Lord Himself in 36 to 43. And then we'll go on to the third and the, and the fourth parable. The parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. That is in verse 31 to 33. Let me just go ahead and read these four parables. Verse 3, the parable of the sower. And the Lord, He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, but because they had no depth, I'm sorry, but because I lost my text. Anyway, I'll go back again. Verse 5. Others fell, um, fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up because they have no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they have no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And it's explained in verse 18. Our Lord says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporarily. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed brings forth, bear forth, bear fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Second parable, the parable of the wheat and tares. 
verse 24, Jesus presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and brought grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and buy them in bundles to burn them up and, to, and gather the wheat into my barn. The third and the fourth parable, verse 21 to 33. He, present, he presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field And this is smaller than all other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three packs of flour until it was all leaven. This, these are the four parables. First one, the parable of the sower, has to do with the ministry of the Word of God. The ministry of the Word of the Kingdom of God on this earth. During church age. The second parable, the wheat and the tares, has to do with the nature and the future of the kingdom of God during this church age. And of course, the kingdom of God in its consummation. The third and the fourth parable has to do with the growth and the development of the ministry of the kingdom on this earth. This is amazing truth. Amazing truth. Let's go to the first one. The parable of the sower. And I'll just go and explain the parable and then we're going to glean from the, par- the principles how we can use them in our lives, in our ministry. The parable of the sower, verse 3 to 8, Jesus laid out. And then 18 to 23, Jesus explains the parable. This parable is about four kinds of responses. Four kinds of responses. The hard heart, right? The shallow heart, the worldly heart, and the honest and good heart. Four types of responses to the word of God. 
And these four responses are determined by the condition of the heart. They're determined by the condition of your heart. Your heart. The heart is important. It's so true in ministry. We need to understand the heart of the people. We need to understand the issues of the heart. Let's go in. So the Lord said, the first type, I call them the heart heart. The hardened heart. What is this? They hear the word of God. Verse 19. They hear the word of the kingdom, but does not understand. Does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the hard heart. Matthew Henry said, The word of God, come to these people. They come in, they come in at one ear and goes out at the other ear and make no impression at all in their hearts. This hard heart, and I'm citing trench words, has exposed his heart as a common road to every evil influence of the world till it has become hard as a pavement. Every influence of the world, they are wide exposed to all of them. And over the time, their hearts become so hardened and the Word of God just bounces away when it is sown upon them. This definitely reminds me of Japan. If you go to Japan, you see many of these kind of hearts. For that matter, even in Czech, you see many these kind of hearts. This is the hard heart. Then the second type of heart, the shallow heart. Shallow heart. What is this shallow heart? Verse 20, the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but only temporarily. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Look at the phrase. They immediately receive the word with joy. And now these people will even have a dramatic experience when you preach the gospel to them. They express some kind of joy. They are excited about what you share. But their joy is not a true joy. It's just a superficial, shallow and temporary joy. It will not last. When difficult times come, they fall away. They fall away when persecution and afflictions come. They fall away. This is a very discouraging experience to those who share the Word of God. And you will encounter them. It is, it is everywhere. You will encounter them. 
Now, when you share the word with them, they responded with joy. And in your mind, you were saying, Praise God! Finally, I caught a fish. Right? But it runs away before the sun set. Right? It runs away. They fall away. Look at verse 6 again. Verse 6. Verse 6. Our Lord says, chapter 13 of verse 6, When the sun had risen, they were scored. And because they had no root, they withered away. And we know this is in reference to affliction, persecutions, and temptations. Right, you can cross-reference that in Luke 8. Luke 8. Luke 8, verse 13. Those on the rocky soil are those when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Persecution, afflictions, tough time, right? Difficult time at work, at home, or your relationship, or in your own, own lives, temptations, and immediately they fall away. We met many of these at our campus ministries. Week after week, we see this kind of hearts. But we praise God for this truth. You know, this truth will be an encouragement. And we know them. We know them. It helps. It helps us from getting discouraged. You know, they're excited when you share the gospel. They say they will come. And you thought they're going to come. But next week, you don't see them again. Right? Third type. Third type, the worldly heart. The worldly heart. What is this kind of heart? Let's look at the text. The worldly heart, Matthew 13. Our Lord explains. Verse 22. The one on whom on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This story describes those who hear the word but worry of this world. The deceitfulness of wealth, money, prosperity choke the word. In fact, you cross-reference again to Luke 8. There's another element in this kind of heart. Verse 14 of Luke 8. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life. Pleasures of this life. These are great idols of today. And if you harbor these idols in your heart, the Word of God 
will not penetrate. You know, in this self-indulging, pleasure-idolizing, comfort-worshipping society, this is common. This is common here. They will not be able to digest the Word of God because they have a worldly heart. And the last type, the honest and good heart. Praise be to God. There are some good hearts here. But there are few. There are few. Let's look at the text. The honest, the honest and good heart. I use a phrase from Luke 18, Luke 8:15. The honest and good heart. What is this kind of heart? These are the one, the minority, who responds well to the word of God. Verse 23, Matthew 13, verse 23, our Lord says this, And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. This is a good soil. Somehow, when you share the word of God to them, they come before the cross and they understand the Savior died on the cross, not for anybody else, not for their pleasure, not for their comfort. The, the Lord was crucified for their sin. And this is the plan of God to reconcile them to God. Jesus had to die and to stand at the foot of the cross. They understand this truth. Praise be to God. They understand They see their own sinfulness. They see their own depravity. And they know only Christ can set them free. This is the one who hears the word of God and understands it. They understand. They understand. Cross-reference to Luke 18.5. You get another word there. Luke explains. Sorry for doing this. I you know, just want to help you to understand. Just put your finger in Matthew 13 and go to Luke 18, 15 again. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast. They hold it fast. They understand it. They understand the word and they hold it fast which has the meaning of they obey the word. They practice the word. They are the James 1.25, doer of the word. They are the effectual doer of the word. They are not the forgetful hearer of the word. They are the effectual doer of the word. And this man will be blessed. This man will be blessed in what he does. In what he does. So they understand it. And then, they bear fruit. Go back to Matthew 13. They bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. In Luke 8, 
15 again. You see the word there, they bear fruit with perseverance. With perseverance. It's not an immediate boom. You become a Christian, boom, you're full of the fruit of God. You're filled with the fruit of God. No. With perseverance, it implies there hard work is required. Cultivation. You need to you need to be cultivated. In John fifteen, our Lord says, You are the branches, I'm the vine, and the Father will come and prune every branch. If you are the true branch, you will be pruned. And it is painful. The pruning is painful. But we praise God. You will bear fruit with perseverance. Take some time. Be patient. God is working in your life. The Word of God is powerful. Be patient. Be humble. And the fruit will come. The fruit will come. Two types of fruit I have in mind. One is character fruit. And the other is the ministry fruit. Right? Character fruit. You see him change. You see this person responded to the Word of God and you see him change. He stopped lying. He used to be an angry, self-centered man or woman. Now he is growing in gentleness and sacrificial love. You see this change. You see this change, right? He was lazy, but now he works hard. You see this change. This is character fruit, right? And then you have the ministry fruit. After some time, he starts to grow in service to the body of Christ. He grows in fellowship with the believers in a sanctifying manner. He starts to win souls for the glory of God. Not that he can win souls, but God used him to bear witness for Christ for the glory of God. And this is the ministry fruit that the Lord says those who respond to the Word of God, if they have a good heart, honest and good heart, they will bear forth this fruit. So where can you find this kind of soil? Where do you see this kind of hearts? Right here. Right? Look around. There are many honest and good hearts here striving in their sanctification to bear fruit for the glory of God. Be encouraged. Just continue to strive. Continue to persevere. And you will bear fruit with perseverance. So, these are the four types. Four types of hearts that respond to the Word of God. So what do you learn? What principles do you learn from this parable? First principle, don't be discouraged by the lack of response from the majority. This is an important principle in the ministry of the kingdom of God. Don't be discouraged by the lack of response from the majority. Here is pretty good. One out of four types responded. But that doesn't mean, you know, every time you have one out of four, you know, you probably get one out of 40 or one out of 400. But the point is, the ministry of the kingdom 
It's like that. And you need to persevere. Don't be discouraged. You probably will experience this very soon in your OC mission. Not many will respond to your preaching. But you don't get discouraged by it. You want to be faithful to the Lord. Second principle we can learn from this parable is expect to be disappointed in ministry. Expect that. Right? You will get some rocky hearts. You will get some worldly hearts and they stay around and you thought they were real. They turn out to be fake. And you get disappointed. And you think to yourself, I've sown so much, I've invested so much. Oh no, what did he do to me? Right? Don't be disappointed. Expect that actually. Expect disappointment. It is part of the kingdom ministry. Expect that in OC mission, in Czech mission, in uh, Kazakhstan mission. Expect that. They disappointed the Lord. They will disappoint you too. The only way, the only way to avoid disappointment is to avoid ministry altogether. Yeah, that is the way to avoid disappointment. And you know there's a sin of selfishness. There's a sin of selfishness, right? That's why we have to carry the cross and follow Christ. We have to deny the self. If the self is in the way, you never get to do God's work His way. You want to do God's work your way. And that's not what will glorify God. Third principle from this parable is be encouraged by the fruit of the minority. Be encouraged by that. They are precious. Even one or two, praise be to God. Be encouraged by that. Praise God. And the second parable, let's go to the second parable. The parable of the wheat and tares. The important truth revealed here. Let's read verse 36 to 43. This is what our Lord says. Then he left the crowns. He left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares and of the field. And our Lord said, The one who sows a good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sold them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth His angels, and they will gather up. They will gather out of His kingdom all stumbling blocks, and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father, who he who has ears, let him hear. Two things stands out in this parable. First one, first important truth is the nature 
of the church age. What is the nature of the church age? The sons of God, the believers, will, call, will coexist with the sons of the devil. They are together during this age. Second truth is the future of the kingdom. The future of this ministry. The end of the age is the consummation of the kingdom. Verse 39 to 43 says this. The harvest is the end of the age and God will send forth His angel to gather up the tares and burn them and then the, the sons of Man will shine forth, will send forth his angel, verse 41, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the end of the age. The coming of the great king. Then, verse 43, the righteous, the sons of God, will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is a great day. I pray that that will encourage you. You know, you're laboring here. You know, the, the pain, the discouragement, the suffering or hardship has nothing to compare to the glory that will be revealed in the age to come. In the consummation of the kingdom of God. God's justice will finally be established and the devil and all his children will be punished in the lake of fire. Why must the Lord tell the disciples this parable? It's important for our Lord to reveal this truth to them. This is actually a mystery to them. The church age. This is the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. There will be a time in which the kingdom of God coexists with the kingdom of the devil. The disciples did not know the truth. They thought, just like they have, been, they have learned from the Old Testament, when the Messiah come, He will reign. Righteousness will be established. Wickedness will be abolished. This is what you get in Zechariah 14. right? Zechariah 14, the coming of the great king, wickedness will be destroyed. There will be no more. And Malachi 4, again, the coming kingdom, all evil will be destroyed. But the Lord revealed to them, not so soon, that there will be a time, the church age. And they need to know, they need to know, the sons of God will coexist with the sons of the devil during the church age until the judgment day. This is great truth. Great truth. One principle we learn from this is that we learn how to deal with the devil. How do you deal with the devil? What do you do with the satanic presence in this world? From the parable, just leave them alone. Right? Just leave them alone. The Lord put them there. It's a great principle. You know, there's some demon chasing, demon casting ministry going around. You know this is foolishness. Right? This is foolishness. No way in the scripture that you can get this support to do some demon casting, demon biting in this church age. 
In fact, if you do some rational thinking based on the scripture, you will know it's very foolish. The Lord never asks us to bind Satan. Right? They will use um, Matthew 18, this is our context. Matthew 16 is our context. They'll go around and say, I bind you, Satan. Right? If you can do that, you just need to do once. Right? Just say one prayer, just one time. I bind you, Satan, now and forever, period, and he will be bound. Right? You don't need to do this ministry a lot of times. Just one time if you can do that. But you know this is foolishness. Nowhere in the scripture give you this power to do this. Even some claim to do this outside. But you know this no scriptural basis at all. The Lord allowed the sons of the devil, even the devil himself, to be around during the church age. His end will come soon at the end of the age, but not now. Second principle we learn from this parable is the church age is for evangelism, not judgment. Not judgment, for evangelism. The disciples were doubtless, the disciples doubtlessly ready to uproot the unbelieving tears right away. They want to do that. You know their heart. You know their heart. They want to get rid of the devil and their children and restore the kingdom of God. The Lord knows their heart. And you see them too. James and John in Luke 9.54 Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? The Lord say, what are you talking about? I'm here to save the lost. Right? And you see this Spirit in Peter too, right? Get rid of the wicked one. He pulled out his dagger and cut off. He missed, right? He wanted to go for the neck, right? He missed the ear of the slave of the high priest. He got his ear. He got his ear off. And the Lord said to him, keep that dagger into its place. There's no place for that kind of thing here. Right? So the Lord want us to know this is the age for evangelism and also an age for compassion. It's an age of compassion. We learn this from our Lord Himself. John MacArthur writes this, While on earth the Lord Himself would not leave a finger against His enemies, to Judas who betrayed Him to His death, He offered the first sob at the Last Supper as a gesture of love and a final appeal for belief. John 13.26 For those who falsely accuse Him and send Him to the cross, He asks for forgiveness. Right? Luke 23.34 Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. In the present age, believers are not God's instruments of judgment and destruction but of truth and grace. Toward unbelievers, we are not to have a heart of condemnation, but of compassion. He further writes, In the meanwhile, they exist side by side, breathing the same air, enjoying the same sunshine and rain, eating the same food, attending the same schools, working in the same factories and offices, living in the same neighborhoods, and sometimes attending the same church. Attending the same church, right? 
they are around. And the Lord is His sovereign plan. Another principle you can learn from this parable is the future of our ministry is encouraging. Look at the future. The sons of God will shine. Will shine as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. A glorious future awaits us. God will be vindicated. His glory will be manifested and vindicated and the devil and all his children will be punished in the lake of fire for his glory. His kingdom finally come to its consummation. That is exciting. I live to see that day. Praise to be God. If the devil ever, if the devil ever remind you of your past, you remind him of his future. That's a great saying. Remind him of his future. If he, if he can remind you. Right. Remind him of his future. His future is bleak. Last parable. The parable of the master seed and the leaven. I, know, I want to borrow from William Hendrickson's term. Two parables are a pair here. Right. They are a pair. They're together. The first refer, referring to the outward. The second Second, referring to the inward growth of the kingdom of heaven on earth. The outward growth and the inward growth. The master seed is the outward growth. The leaven is the inward growth of the kingdom. Let's read 31 to 33. The Lord presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a master seed which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three packs Packs of flour until it was all leavened. This speaks of the growth and the development of the kingdom ministry on this earth. The, the master seed parable refers to the outward growth of the kingdom ministry. This can be seen almost in this country and in many countries in which the gospel ministry started. Gospel ministry is growing. Like the mustard seed, churches begin to grow and multiply after a period of tough time. Believers are maturing and bearing fruit and missionaries are being sent out to other countries. And, and it's amazing to see the work of God. Many lives change and transform by the gospel ministry. And the parable of the leaven refers to the inward growth of the kingdom ministry. It speaks of the pervasive power of influence of the gospel ministry in the lives of the believers. The Lord in His sovereign wisdom, in His sovereign wisdom, uses parable, the parable of the leaven. is common in His days. Probably He has seen it from His own mother. That's how He baked bread. Right? Speaks of the pervasive power of inference 
of the gospel ministry. The inference of leaven is silent and unseen, and its effect permeates in the hearts of those who believe, and then from them to people around them, and then from them to the community, and then to the society, and then to the country. This is amazing power of the gospel ministry on this earth. It's likened to the leaven. The graphic description by our Lord, three packs of meal, right, is, is equivalent to modern day bushel, right, a bushel, you know, equivalent to uh, eight gallons of dry corns, right, eight gallons, you know, drink of one gallon of milk, eight gallon, right, eight of them make a huge patch of dough and you just need a small bit of leaven, and it permeates and it leaven the whole lump. This is an amazing truth of God. And this is, so, this is so encouraging to me. I hope to you too. The power of the gospel ministry. And I'll think about I'm going back to Malaysia. And I'll be all by myself. I mean, four other souls. <laughs> My wife and three children. Right? Feeling like, wow, what can I do? Just five of us, you know. Three are small children. But you see, the ministry of the gospel is going to spread like the leaven. You know, it may not be seen by me or may not happen in my generation. But praise God, it is there and it's going to permeate and it's going to spread for the glory of God. And this encourages my heart and my wife too. And I want to encourage her that our ministry back home is going to be encouraging. You know, this, this power of this ministry has a ripple effect. You know, just drop it and then you see the effect expanding. This is, this is amazing. It's in the Christian life. You see this in the Christian life. Quote Pastor John, the life of Christ within believers is spiritual and moral leavening in the world. A Christian does not have to be a national leader, a famous entertainer, or a sports figure to influence the world for the, for the Word of God. You don't need that. All you need, simple guy, ordinary, have a heart for God, passionate, sold up for Jesus Christ, radical, and God will use them turn the world upside down for the glory of God. So you can be one of these people. You can be one of these people. Pretty much everyone here has this potential. If you are truly saved, you have this potential. But make use of the potential in you for the glory of God. And I can't help myself but think of one practical example. You know, the, the, the leavening effect of Pastor Peter Smith. I have to use this example, right? I mean, just past Thursday in our flock, a shepherd Eugene shared about his, his, his uh, amazing testimony, right? The English camp was about to start, you know, they lost their key. They had no key to go to the room. 
And Pastor, Pastor Peter showed up. He said, we have no key. And they all panicked. I said, great. This is a great opportunity to pray to God and see God answer prayer. And just, I, I heard that. My wife heard that. And my wife got convicted. He convicted, he shared with me after the meeting. And now, when Josephine and Priscilla spill their milk, right, they spill their food, they spill their juice, my attitude was, was far from that. I was angry, frustrated. Right? And when she said that, I got convicted too. Because I did the same thing, or even worse than her. So I got convicted too. The leavening, the leavening effect. I got convicted and the next day we came before Josephine and Priscilla please forgive us please forgive us for you know, our scolding our you know, anger and all this sin in our lives this is not discouraging to you next time we should say great what an opportunity to serve God and to train you and to discipline you for the glory of God right we should change that that's so, so amazing right Priscilla heard that and they say, Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday you say, Go out of the room in anger. <laughs> I say, Oh, yes, please, please forgive, right? And Josephine, you know, can't help it. Josephine was shaking his head. And I, I forgive you. <laughs> it's like, But you see, you see the leavening effect of the gospel ministry. It has ripple effects. And I pray that it will continue to influence your life. It continue to, to permeate your life for His glory. few principles we learn from this parable. First one is, God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. That's just how he does things. He uses ordinary people, the 11 disciples, right? To turn the world upside down. Amazing. Who would ever imagine that this fisherman, this nobody, not even educated, can turn the, the whole Jerusalem upside down according to Acts 17 verse 6 that they recognize these people who have upset the world. Right? God, use, God uses ordinary people like you and I. Familiar to all of us is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26-29. to 29. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that He may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. Great truth. You and I, God can use for His amazing work in this short life. Short life. God can use that to the praise of His glory. Second principle, don't despise the day of small beginning. 
Don't despise that. Don't despise the day of small beginning. Both parables have this one thing in common. Small, insignificant beginning. Master seed, small. Nobody even yeah, really noticed it. Leaven. Who pay attention to leaven, right? Don't despise the day of small beginning. You know, I, I have to remind myself over and over again, especially when I'm back home. Don't despise that. Continue to serve Him faithfully for His praise. Both parables show the kingdom ministry produces ultimate consequences out of all proportion to a small, insignificant beginning. Both parables produce that. I see this church. This church is a it's a life example to all of us, right? Small beginning. His early years, Pastor James was sharing with us that he was not he was not sure whether next week the church will be around <laughs> because it's so small and seems so weak, right? Not even sure next week the people will still come, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll experience that back home, right? But you praise God. You praise God as you continue to labor for His glory. This leavening effect will be at work. Look at this church now. Right? Look at the work of God in this church. Today, we are capable of turning the whole Orange County upside down right? for His glory with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Orange County Mission, we pray that will be the day that the Lord will use the gospel to rock this county. Everyone will be shaken when they hear the gospel of Christ. That is my passion. I pray that you share the passion, the passion of our Lord. If you have not signed up, I encourage you to sign it up. You know, That's all I can say, sign it up. Sign up for submission this summer. Be patient. That's what I want to encourage you. Be patient. This leavening effect sometimes is unseen. Sometimes it's even not noticeable, right? Just like the leaven, right? A little bit, but it's the power is at work invisible, right? Be patient. Be patient at your workplace. Just continue to live like a Christian at your workplace. The Lord is at work. At home, continue. I know it's hard. Continue. Lead your wife. Continue. Shepherd your wife. I know it's against your nature, but keep working at it. The leavening effect will permeate your heart. Man, rise up. Rise up. Lead your family. Lead your sanctified life. Sanctified family life. Right? Lead them. Be patient. And you will see the effect in the days to come. At school, be patient. Let the leveling effect do its work in your campuses. But you stand for the truth. You stand for the gospel. You will see that. These four parables... These four great parables. May that 
parables, may all those principles stuck in your heart. Sink deep into your heart for His glory. Few important applications for your consideration. And I plead with you, consider these applications. First one, which type, which kind of heart are you? Come before the Lord. Which kind of heart are you? There are four kinds. Heart, heart. Worthy heart. Shallow heart. Or honest and good heart. Which kind of heart are you? Which kind of heart are you? Do you actually care about applying the truth that you heard every Sunday? Do you actually care about to review and apply the truth that you have heard from the Titus 2 series? And how the pastors labor night and day to come up with that great truth and preach to you and if it falls on hard ground and falls on rocky ground and thorny ground, their hands are clean. But you will stand before God. You will stand before God. Which kind of hearts are you? I pray all of you will have an honest and good heart. An honest and good heart for His glory. I don't let sermon after sermon, just like going to the in and out Burger, in and out, right? <laughs> in and out. Don't let that happen. Don't ever let that happen. Be patient. Work on it. Listen to it again online. You have no excuse. If you missed last Sunday, you can listen on it on the website and apply the truth and work on it. Doer of the Word. Be doer of the Word. Our theme for this year. I pray that none of you will have a worry heart. I know we live in a materialistic, pleasure idolizing, comfort worshipping society. But I pray none of you will let your heart be hardened by all these evils. None of you will let the Word of God have no effect at all on your heart. Don't let that happen. None of you will let the worries of this world or the deceitfulness of wealth, money, prosperity, and pleasures to deceive you from doing the kingdom work. I hope, I hope you will repent if you come before God and you know. I pray that you will repent if you come before God and you see, wow, this is a hard heart. I have a hard heart. I have no, no feeling at all to the, to the Word of God. It doesn't move me an inch. You break down and cry out to the God, to God and plead with Him to change your heart. That you will do that. I pray. Second application. I pray that you will consider this. And I'm, I'm, I'm in it too. I'm, I am working on my sanctification too. Are you fulfilling the mission of God in your life? Are you part of the kingdom ministry on this earth right now? 
Or are you pursuing your own little selfish kingdom? Right? Are you fulfilling the mission of God in your life right now as you come before God? I pray that you will see you see yourself, you are a missionary. You are a missionary. You don't need to go overseas. Right here at home, at work, you are a missionary. You have a mission. You must obey. If you have any passion for Christ at all, nobody here is without a mission. If you have any passion for Jesus Christ at all, nobody here has nothing to do. Nobody. And I pray that many of us will start thinking radically. You know, you might even need to downsize your staff, your lifestyle, getting rid of idols, pleasures, comforts, you know, those idols, right? You know, you just low maintenance, a little, just, yeah, enough comfort, enough food, <laughs> enough coding, praise be to God. If you are extra, use it for the glory of God. Praise God for that. And don't get into the spirit of this age, discontent, and still one more, right? Still one more, and still one better. I pray many of us will start praying to God, seeking God, any, anything that competes for your love for Christ, your time for Christ, anything competes for that, you will cut it off. You will cut it off so that you can be useful for Him so that you can be free to obey Him, so that you can finish well and hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Nobody here has any excuse at all. right? Young men, old men, single men, married men, family men, young family, old family, none of us here can have any excuse before God on that day. We stand before God just as we are given by the mission, given by His call. We are to fulfill. Lord, help us not to waste this life, but make it count for eternity, for His glory. Third application. Third application. I'll never forget Pastor John Piper's comment in the last in his last sermon at the Resolve Conference this year. You can listen online. And he said this after looking at the crowd, after looking at his audience, he saw something. Majority of them, out of that three, four thousand, I don't know how many youngsters, majority of them are Asians. And he was seeking the Lord. What is the Lord doing here? How come so many Asian faces here? Right. And he told them the next morning, 
And I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. And I pray. And I believe. This may be a very unique moment in world mission. Right? And he was saying, his face is hated in many countries. What he means is his Caucasian face, right? Is hated in many countries. And I, I can agree with him. Right? You go to Middle Eastern country, yeah, you know, his face will not be welcomed. Even some part of South Asia, his face will not be welcomed. Many countries hated. But your face and my face, the Asian face, you can go to places. Wow. And God can use you for His glory. And I pray that many of you who seek the Lord, who seek the Lord earnestly, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Send me, Lord, any way that you want me to go. Right. Of course, you humble before the Lord and you humble before the church. The church, if you are truly called, the church will affirm that. The church will affirm that. But if any of you has any passion of Christ, any passion for Christ at all, there's no, no one here is without a mission. No one. And lastly, and I want to exhort you again, I want to encourage you again, sign up for our coming OC mission. Everyone has a place there, and I believe there's still a lot of seats available. Sign it up, single family, young family, old family, sign, all sign up for His glory. Let's, let's rock this place. Let's shake this place with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's do it. For His glory, you know. Next fall might not come. Next summer might not come, you know. But let's do it now if we have the opportunity. Father, we praise You. Praise You for this day. Praise You for Your Word. Be glorified, Lord. Be exhorted, O God, in Your church. Go forth in Your power and bring Your people to the place that You have called them to. For your name's sake, O oh God. Thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for all my brothers and sisters here. Father, may they be encouraged, continue to cultivate, continue to let the leaven grow deep, permeate into their lives, and fruit will come for your praise, for your glory. Thank you, Lord. I pray that Anyone here has a hard heart, has a shallow heart and a worldly heart, this morning you will do that amazing work of exposing their sins and bring them to repentance by your grace. By your grace. Thank you again for this time. In your holy name we pray. Amen.